0: Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. I want to go back
1: to December 27th, 2022, in a statement from the WWE Board of Directors. Although we welcome your participation in the launch of a strategic alternatives review process, it is also our unanimous view that your return to the company at this time, while government investigations into your conduct by the U.S. Attorney's Office and SEC are still pending and would not be prudent from a shareholder value perspective. This determination is based on a variety of factors, including non-public information the board has become aware of and the risks to the company and its shareholders of placing a greater spotlight on these issues. Welcome to the August 2nd edition of Pollock and Thurston, a very crazy day in the world of professional wrestling. And one of those days, Brandon, where pro wrestling does manage to reach out to the casual fans out there because I see nonstop WWE headlines today.
2: How are you? I'm good. How are you? This is clearly what um, what WWE needs to do to reach out to the casual fans more often. This is is it. This is is it. To break more news in 10Q filings uh, with the Securities and Exchanges Commission.
1: That's the answer to all these questions, and how interesting that as the WWE returns to Ford Field this coming Saturday, the last event in that stadium, the Battle of the Billionaires, and this week, the two key draws to that WrestleMania, the Battle of the Billionaires, celebrating in grand jury fashion this week. What a, what a return to Ford Field for this big 16-year return in Detroit. Yes.
2: yes, I have a feeling Donald and Vince will not be uh, meeting once again, though
1: you don't see highlights of that maybe being part of the opening
2: uh, maybe kid rock will voice an open referring
1: to uh two of his heroes yeah i think they'll avoid, avoid that well we are going to be diving into a lot of things i thought you know this week no guest we're going to be mainly concentrating on the uh, the q2 earnings i don't even I, I think like the q2 actual like report is at least third down the list for us uh today because correct me if i'm wrong brandon when typically is the 10Q released in relation to the earnings report? it, it varies.
2: it could be as late as the following day yeah um, but I, I was going to check just you know even before you brought it up I wanted to see what the timing was when the alert email came out for the 10Q and I am looking at it now it was let's see here 731 a.m is when I when that came out apparently. so that was well before the call that was an hour before the call in fact right. Yeah, so th- this was one where, I mean,
1: this is buried in this 160 some odd page 10Q filing that goes into a lot of the the, the the specifics of, you know, a lot of their aspects of business. But what jumps out here is on July 17th, 2023, federal law enforcement agents executed a search warrant and served a federal grand jury subpoena on Mr. McMahon. No charges have been brought in these investigations. The company has received voluntary and compulsory legal demands for documents, including from federal law enforcement and regulatory agencies concerning the investigation and related subject matters. And having just watched the Dark Side of the Ring episode where names were disputed, I am sure Vince Russo was reading this and stating, listen, they're subpoenaing Mr. McMahon. Vince McMahon is completely fine. Yes. Um. We'll
2: talk about that next week, I think. Next week. We um, cannot cover for <laughs> this show. There's just um, too much. So the, the, I, I'm looking at it and there's three paragraphs that, that we're concerned with here. And two of those paragraphs, the one before and the one after the one in the middle, those are not new paragraphs, I think. Uh, this, this, you know, discussion about this sub- special committee of the board of directors that investigated the allegations and misconduct. Yada yada, and then the one at the bottom. The company received voluntary and compulsory legal demands for documents, including the federal law enforcement and regulatory agencies. Yada yada. I, I think this is stuff that's been out there for almost a year, if not more than a year now. Uh, but it's the it's the paragraph in between about um, uh, law enforcement agents executing a search warrant and serving a federal grand jury subpoena on Mr. McMahon. Uh, that's that's the new information there. But I think all three of those. I think. You know, you can you can only guess sometimes with these SEC filings and how abstruse they are. But I think those three things are all related. I think this is concerning, um, the payments, the NDA payments that, that Vince made to, uh, keep various women silent, uh, uh, you know, following allegations of sexual misconduct and the payments to Donald Trump, uh, and that he made to the Trump Foundation in exchange for Trump's uh, performance fees, uh, performances in 2007 and 2009. Uh, those benefited the company, they should have been recorded as company expenses. They were not, that's, that's the big issue here. Um, that that's really motivating that, that put everything in motion last year. Um, and yeah, so I think that's what's happening here. I don't think this is some new story, you know, completely removed from the investigation of last year. Correct. Yeah. So as well, um,
1: at the, as this had been, uh, filed in the, in the 10Q filing, there was an email sent out, uh, to members of the company. And this statement was also issued to CNBC. I'm sure some other media outlets got it as well. And this includes a statement from Vince McMahon regarding, uh, this, this latest news. Did you CNBC. get it? Did you get the, the press release sent to you? no i got someone in wwe you said same uh have you got the vince mcmahon news and i was like which piece of vince mcmahon news because there's been multiples this morning um so uh no i don't think i'm on the uh the internal uh emailing list but if anyone wants to add me you are more than welcome to um as as you are with brandon maybe we'll ask about that this weekend but vince mcmahon wrote uh or issued the statement in 2022 wwe formed a special committee to review allegations of misconduct against me. That review was concluded in November of 2022 following an extensive investigation throughout this experience. I have always denied any intentional wrongdoing and continue to do so. I'm confident that the government's investigation will be resolved without any findings or wrongdoing. I am focused on completing the recovery process from my recent spinal surgery and on closing our transaction with endeavor, which will create one of the preeminent global sports and entertainment brands, uh, nothing regarding uh, a potential option on this story for a future Blumhouse, um dramatic series um, that could be in development. Uh, Vince McMahon versus the grand jury. Um, yeah. But yes, no denies any intentional wrongdoing. It's there may have been some wrongdoing, but it was not intentional.
2: Yeah. Uh, how many lawyers and, and PR people do you think look this over before uh, they, they said go with it? Um, not named Jerry McDivitt. So, I mean, the the implication here is that, you know, Vince didn't realize what he was, that that he he always denied any intentional wrongdoing. He didn't think there was anything wrong with um, paying off women and having them sign NDAs for uh, alleged sexual misconduct. Um, And maybe this speaks more to uh, Vince's moral standards, but in any case.
1: Yeah. And then keeping it separate from company funds and um, other allegations that that have come out. I mean, just um,
2: what, what what's the issue? What, what could be wrong with all this? And, and WB made a comment, too, as part of this internal message. Do you have that? Um, have can, can you read that? I, yeah. I have it. Uh, w uh, their, their comment was, we believe this is a continuation of the investigation that commenced last summer. WE has cooperated throughout and fully understands and respects the government's need for a complete process. Uh, sounds similar to what Nikon said on the call itself, mm-hmm. where he said that, you know, they're going to cooperate, but they're not going to comment right now on any legal matter.
1: No. And I mean, at this point, like this was issued, as Brandon said, at about 730 this morning, I'm imagining most people were first finding out about this when one of the analysts on the call brought this up to Nick Khan and suddenly is referring to uh, the July 17th subpoena. And I think a a collective uh, control F on July 17th was being uh, typed in furiously on people's computers and realizing this thing like way down there in this, this 10 Q filing, which I mean, had they released this 10Q 12 hours from now, I mean, this would have been I mean, to their credit, they got this 10Q out and it was at least brought up on on the call. Not that you were going to get any substantive answer. Um, but nonetheless, I'm like this to me, uh, overwhelmed any news coming out of this. The, the fact that Vince McMahon is on medical leave. I thought that was going to be the major takeaway from this call uh, confirming the recent spinal surgery that he had uh, about two weeks ago and is going to be on medical leave for an indefinite period of time. And the fact as well, you look at this and not to say one is connected with the other, but this subpoena was issued July 17th. And I believe the date they noted of the surgery was July the 20th or 21st. So this is happening within a several day period.
2: Right. It, It reminds me of the steroid trial where I guess Vince had neck surgery. Is that right? Uh, during during the trial. So he just happened to be be appearing in the courtroom with the neck brace and all that.
1: And Jerry McDivitt on Dark Side of the Ring stating how they, they celebrated the um, the acquittal and there's the reenactment of Vince McMahon taking off the neck brace and throwing it up in, into the air. Um, not to say there's anything uh, connected with
2: this, but people are naturally going to go to that. Uh, I mean, I, d- I don't doubt that Vince at his age and the, the bumps and the weightlifting that he's gone through in his life. Oh, he, no doubt. I don't no doubt that he needs surgery that, you know, he's, he is reported to have had. I,
1: I would be curious if this, uh, surgery that he needed is something that he's known he's needed right. for a long period of time versus, you know, he just suffered a nerve issue like, like lifting, like this came out of the blue a month ago or, or something like that. You would think given his regimen, um, that this is probably just, you know, decades and decades of, um, damage he has done to to his back um but yeah it does th- theoretically like take vince mcmahon outside of whatever his day-to-day duties were and comes at the time as this uh, merger is still going through and it just is kind of puts the spotlight right back on vince mcmahon and this return to the company that was unanimously voted against by the board of directors before vince McMahon pretty much elbowed his way back into power in the company. And you can argue from the business sense that had Vince McMahon not been in this position, is this sale to Endeavor, uh, does it happen? And certainly you could look, it would not be as lucrative given Ari Emanuel's desire to have Vince McMahon part of this and even upping his uh, percentage in this, in this TKO holdings uh, company as, as well. Like you can debate certainly Vince McMahon's, involvement here, but this is sort of playing out like here is the latest chapter of this story that is
2: not seen, not seen its finality yet. Yeah. I mean, he was asked in the CNBC interview the morning that they announced the deal. He was asked whether, if if not for the scandal, would this deal still have happened? And he said, oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I still would have explored strategic alternatives and all that. I I find that dubious that he needed. I believe that he needed to, it, it certainly helped to when he forced his way back into the company to say, well, I'm coming back to help, uh, you know, make a merger or acquisition, uh, transaction. Um, so, so what what do we believe about what he's been doing day to day? Um, at least on the creative side, we have reports that he's involved remotely for the most part. He's only been at TV a a couple of times. Um, but he's apparently making changes and participating in some way in creative remotely. Um, he's recovering now uh the legend with Vince man is you, you're you're never sick there's no such thing as sick so I, i'm surprised that he would actually withdraw from work if, if that's what's really going to happen in but, theory he can't work and he can't work out at the moment what
1: is deal. he doing all day as as there's a grand jury investigation uh going on for him
2: what a week yeah they maybe, maybe he'll read some books maybe he will catch up on succession who knows
1: get a tablet um I'm so I'm certain there's there's lots of options for them. the Bear is out season two. Great. great television to to watch. Um but nonetheless it it was amazing to me just how this uh this news like to me it just usurped what was a pretty spectacular quarter. I mean you could you can look at like um certain areas uh being down, mainly their consumer products, but overall this reflected a company that is on a huge popularity boom and the live attendance, the tele, the television numbers are just stunning when you compare the state of cable and where it's at. And as WWE is continuing into their n- negotiations, which were another big subject on the media call as well. But it seemed like most of the coverage is all on Vince McMahon and not so much the, the company's uh, very successful quarter that continues a very successful year that will be another record setting
2: one. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the earnings calls, most of the information that comes out of the earnings reports and the calls are of, of, of interest to people who, who might want to listen to WrestleNomics or, 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 or of interest. There's tidbits that, you know, wrestling news media in general will cover, but this subpoena, Vince Mann, who's a, you know, a well-known celebrity th- throughout the world, that's, that's a much bigger story. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, I mean, look, the, the attendance is doing really well. Uh, attendance is up by, I think, 40 or 50 percent from the prior period. Um, TV ratings are doing really well, especially in the demo. Um, that's really happening. Why is that happening? Because content has improved. Uh, who's in charge of the content? Triple H. How many words did he say on on this call? None. Uh, he was there, though. He was introduced. Uh, he's present on the call, along with CEO Nick Khan and CFO Frank Bridek. But uh, no, not even opening remarks. Prepared remarks were only from Nick and frank and they handled all the q a as well yeah that was it was very
1: much uh paul levec in in an even more subdued role than Vince McMahon used to be on on these calls where you wouldn't have even known um that paul Levesque was uh part of part of this call at all but this it it was interesting to hear that as much as they are on this gigantic song i don't think there was one one name drop of any one performer or anything like that it was very much the WWE we and not assigning like even specific episodes like the June 2nd Smackdown that was one of the the big ones of this quarter which was the 1000 day celebration for Roman Reigns is just very interesting the fact that it was not so much um crediting it to uh the, the creative or any of these characters that have caught fire or this long-term storytelling all stuff that when it was the other side of the coin and they were being criticized over and why can't you create new stars and such now they're doing it and not so much assigning any of that, um, any of that praise onto the the creative side and,
2: and the characters that are involved in it. Yeah. I mean, when, when when things are going well, it's, it's always because of something that you're doing internally and when things are not going well, it's because of external things that are basically out of your control. Um, but I think it's SmackDown especially has, has really excelled. Um, it, it, particularly in in this quarter, but you know, Raw's been up to. Um, and NXT has really uh, ha- has seen a surge in ratings of late with the addition of some main roster talent guest appearances. Um, but there's, I think, there's a lot of praise to to give towards their ticket sales performance and their TV ratings performance, and I think you have to put that largely on the content and the talent that's involved in that.
1: Let's look at uh, s- some of the figures coming out of this. So for the quarter, um, this was their largest. Uh, quarter for revenue ever at 410.3 million dollars up 25 percent from the same quarter last year and these are both mania quarters last year and this year in the second quarter uh adjusted oibda of 49.2 million dollars this quarter and that translates to a net income of 52 million dollars so while revenue grew uh 25 percent um their net income, like they're still spending a ton of money. And a lot of it um, you looked at their, uh, their headquarters is now $30 million above the original projections. And as well, consumer products were down that they cited for the switch over to the fanatic deal. That was one area that was, that was down, but, um, as much revenue as they are bringing in, they are spending a lot of money too.
2: Well, the, well, the net income in particular, net income is measured, is the final measure of profit. That's after taxes is, is taken out. And they they paid an effective tax rate of 38% this quarter, which is a lot more than usual. They usually pay something more like 28%. So I don't know what, what's behind that, but they paid a lot more in tax than they usually do. We also
1: had uh, the live event sector, which I mean, for... Years and years we were talking about how, uh, dismal that this was becoming. And as Brandon mentioned, like they had a, a 51% jump in revenue, uh, in live events, uh, averaging about 7,300 for the quarter. If you factor out WrestleMania and, uh, taking in $40.3 million in North American revenue. And then they ran 10 international events, uh, as well and a cool $93.59 for a WWE ticket
2: in North America per event. Yes. Yeah. So we were also able to do some math on uh WrestleMania and we know that WrestleMania did, did basically what Polestar star had indicated that uh, WrestleMania did do. Um, if you, because they give this, they give us quarterly averages for the North American attendance and they, and because WrestleMania is such a big event and has such a high attendance, it really skews things. So each year they break out, here's the average with WrestleMania and here's the average without WrestleMania the numbers are rounded to the nearest hundred. So we have to do some math and we get a range and the range this year, if I can find it's a hundred about a I'll, I'll round here to 122,000 tickets at the low end to as much as 130, let's call it 131 tickets sold. So th- I believe they're showing paid attendance this year. They're not showing, they're not including comps here on the investor site. Um, So anyway, that that comes out to in the in the middle about 126,000, and Polestar had it at 127,531, um, which is 63 the first night, 64 the second night. So that's you know what what they published here is consistent with with what Polestar had. Polestar probably getting it from an actual ticket audit, uh, like the, the gate receipts. So it is it is what you would think it would be based on those Polestar numbers.
1: But wait a minute, I tuned into WrestleMania. And that's not the number they gave me on, on the broadcast. Mm-hmm. It was a rounding error, right? Where they,
2: uh, 161,892. For, it includes ticket takers and ushers and all of the talent and every person there. Uh, all of those people may, maybe, maybe even some, some empty suites or something like that.
1: Plenty of uh, people going back now and correcting those those attendance figures that that came out that
2: that, that no particular no rate. if you look at look, look, look this stuff on places like Wikipedia and they 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 take the announced number at face value. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for the
1: great attendance debate that is going to be taking off any day now as we as all in starts to hit eighty thousand? I've briefed everyone on Twitter uh, yesterday. Okay. So. <laughs> are you are you ready to have to announce or explain to people what a turnstile count is? So WrestleMania 32 is going and, to be and, wh- and wh- an why are the Arlington police involved in this?
2: Brandon, tell me, tell
1: me all. They're this. very involved.
2: They're very involved. Uh, so, to, you want to talk about this now? So WrestleMania 32, which which was announced famously as one hundred one thousand, is it on here? One hundred one thousand seven hundred sixty three was the announced attendance for that 2016 WrestleMania. Um, the one, was it that that's the one main event by Roman Reigns and, and, uh, and an undertaker who's staggering around the ring bit, barely able to bump. This theater, was, uh, right? th- this was Reigns and Hunter in the, you're right. That's event. right. I'm sorry. That's right. That was the following year, I think, or uh, maybe even 18. Anyway, that's right. Okay. And th- this is the Shane McMahon jumping off the cell. Correct. Um, so anyway, that, that's, uh, that, that was the big one that they're pushing to be, you know, a hundred thousand. And that's what they announced. Um, I asked the the, year later, just thinking about it. I was like, why why don't I try to email some people? I think I emailed the stadium and they sort of directed me to the police or maybe they directed me to the fire department. Anyway, I finally emailed the Arlington police department and uh, someone from communications with the police department got back to me and said, the announced tenants was this hundred one thousand. And the turnstile count was 80,709. I finally have that number memorized. And that, I believe means the scan count. Uh, does that include suites? I don't know. I, I believe I did follow up like a year after the fact and asked them, does it include the suites? And they didn't know. Um, so 80,000 is the number of people whose tickets were counted or scanned I don't think this means that you had to have a paper ticket. I know a lot of people don't have paper tickets, probably not even going back to 2016. I imagine there was probably electronic tickets happening. And I've had people tell me, well, there was a big problem with getting people in the building on that day. And a lot of people got in without having their tickets scanned. So there's all this ambiguity you can you can uh, throw on it. Um, but if you look at the, the paid attendance that's implied by the ranges what we just talked about, they put out this key performance indicator document. Every quarter they update it. They, you can still find the links that show the, the 2016 numbers, and the number falls somewhere uh, about 5%, give or take, of mm-hmm. eight eight hundred. Remember, the, the Arlington Police said 80,709, and that's very close, relatively, to 79,800. Um number of people in the building doesn't mean that everybody in the building paid, obviously, but I think you get, you know, you have comps and then you have no shows. So I think there's a little bit of offsetting factor there. So roughly 80,000 people in the building, does that include suites? I don't know. But but, would would that show up as paid? Or maybe the suites have a people who have suite access have a deal where they're just as part of their season tickets with the the Cowboys or something. I'm not sure. I I would imagine the vast majority of people
1: listening or watching to this kind of understand how this this works and the key performance indicators that always uh, show this, but whenever sort of an attendance Only figure
2: key performance indicators
1: are listening right now, I love reaches, it. Uh, it reaches out in the ether. I mean, you even pointed it out today. Like Vince McMahon has literally stated this yes. outright referring to WrestleMania 32 and the, the facade of the quote unquote entertainment number versus what, what they actually me, put
2: he, out. He just volunteered that out of nowhere at the beginning of a call, a couple quarters after WrestleMania thirty two, which makes me think that there maybe there were questions or something that I IR was getting as a result of this because he just brought it up out of nowhere. By the way, that wasn't a paid number, that one hundred one thousand. It wasn't paid. It included ushers and ticket takers and all of that, I believe where his words were bait. All
1: people, that would be a measure of your popularity of an event. You know, sure. how many how many ushers were part of this event? Sure. Um so maybe maybe if the man gets deposed, they will sneak in a question. How many
2: people attended WrestleMania three? I hope so. Um But we can chat about that with Bix next week. We will, uh, we're just going to throw the gauntlet at at Bix and Span next week. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll get him to talk about WrestleMania 3. But the big problem is, you know, all all in is going is getting really close to 80,000 tickets distributed according to WrestleTicks. Um, so, you know, as I said, there wasn't an AEW angle to the WrestleMania attendance controversy, but now there is.
1: Yeah. It would seem almost impossible that they don't hit that 80 figure at, at this point as they are. <laughs> still without any matches announced as we go into uh dynamite tonight um other things on on the call they they have maintained their guidance for uh the third quarter and for the year expecting o- adjusted oeebda of three ninety five to four hundred and ten million dollars so despite uh, over delivering uh in this quarter um still sticking with their their regular guidance and we went to the earnings call and some of the key topics brought up beyond the vince McMahon subpoena that nikon just stated they will be cooperative with but are not going to comment on. Uh, we had a former guest on the show, Brandon Ross, asking about why the deals, uh, the new domestic rights deals, have gone at a much slower pace than previously. If you remember, the last set of deals were announced in the spring of 2018, which was a full year and a half before they expired. And Nick Khan stated that the starting prices this time around are much higher than they were last time, and they can't control the timing. And The fact is, it's a strong landscape for, quote, products that register, and there's interest from digital and traditional buyers for Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, and to state that if it's a traditional buyer, i.e. a broadcast cable outlet, that you should expect a digital presence to go with it, and if it's a digital buyer, like an Apple or an Amazon, you probably would not have that traditional presence, uh, which... Obviously makes sense, but yes, the, the waiting game is uh, still on. And um, yeah, there was not much to report on the, on the domestic rights deals other than it painted a really great picture. If you're looking at the overall performance of raw and SmackDown.
2: Yeah. It, 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 the, what he said about, he talks a lot about the NFL too, and look at how the NFL works. Um, so if you think about how a lot of sports, I guess with the exception of the NBA, and with the exception of WWE and AEW for that matter, you think about how they're distributed on television and and if they are on streaming, um, a lot of those, certainly the NFL, but maybe we don't want to look at the NFL because it's such a, it it lives is so alone in its own world, you know, on its, on its high peak. But if you you think about how the NHL is distributed, there's NFL, there's NHL on TNT, traditional TV, and there's an NHL, with ESPN, but ESPN, it's largely on ESPN plus somewhat on the ESPN linear channel. Um, if you look at uh, major league baseball, there's a lot of major league baseball on traditional TV, on ESPN, on TBS, uh, on Fox. And there's a lot of baseball on, if I can, I'm just rolling through it in my head here, on Peacock, on Apple TV, I don't know if there's any other streamers with baseball. In any case, a lot of these sports are on streaming as well as traditional TV. In, in the case of the NFL, um, you can watch the CBS games on Paramount Plus. Uh, a lot of the NFL games on NBC are on Peacock. So it, 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 I, I think in the next term, say it's five years, that's what these deals have been in the last couple cycles. If it's a five year deal, part way through that five year deal. I don't know that cable is going to be in half the U.S. homes. There's about 120 million TV homes in the United States. Um, there were numbers that just, you know, that John O'Ran was was putting out of uh, sports business journal the other day showing, you know, this is what the, the big channels are in. And they're in like below 70 millions. 70 so, uh, um, yeah, t- he was explaining that um, August 1st,
1: um, that they've lost, there's 3.1 million subscribers that have dropped cable since the beginning of the year. 3.1 million and also adding the fact that technically fs1 is now in more homes than espn even though espn is a more profitable channel based on what they get per subscriber but that's stunning to me that fs1 is actually in more homes than espn now but like, what's the difference i, I consider those it, I, I mean it's it's probably marginal but it, yeah. it does show you like the erosion of espn that a decade ago was in over 100
2: million homes Right, and, and and in the course of this five-year deal, I think th- those channels are, are going to end up being in less than half of the homes. They're, they are in half of the homes now, right? Seventy plus, you know, times two is one hundred and forty. So that's more than half the U.S. TV homes. Uh, but as time goes on here, and core coding continues to happen, and, and ESPN and USA Network and Fox are in Fox even are in fewer and fewer homes. You're going to have a diminishing and diminishing reach over the course of that deal. So wouldn't you want those? raw and smackdown not i know you're on peacock and that's in more homes uh but that's once a month that's great but that's only once a month isn't it important to have raw and smackdown uh to reach as many people as possible so that you can uh you know, sustain the popularity of your brand and sell tickets and, and things like that um which raises the question about fox he said if it's a traditional player it'll have a streaming component to it what, what's fox going to do fox doesn't really play in, in streaming except for tubi yeah, but i don't i don't see uh the, the, you know tubi is not uh cannibalizing if you will fox content like we don't see the fox nfl games on tubi or i think any streaming platform fox has been you know pretty strategic about you know letting everybody else kill themselves with streaming and and they're going to stick to traditional tv and i I think probably end up being a a component in a consolidation later um so i don't know what happens if, if, if fox renews smackdown I, d- I don't know where where the streaming is going to come from. I've sort of theorized maybe there's some sort of agreement that they can make with Amazon Prime Video and there could be some sort of simulcast worked out. Um, I don't know, though. Um, there's discussion here, too, about the NBA um, and whether or not are you just waiting for... Do, do the networks just want to get the NBA deals done, which are going to be far more expensive, right? And the content is, is a lot more popular and valuable. Um, so are we just waiting for the NBA deals to be done so that the networks can be comfortable with their scheduling and, and with their finances to decide what they're going to do with you. And Nikon said emphatically, no, this is what he said in the past that, you know, they, they, they think they're their own thing, that they have their own value and will be fine. Um, it would explain why NBCU has not re- renewed yet. I think we all expect that NBC is going to renew raw. Uh, hasn't yet. And they're out of the exclusive negotiating window. And NBC is probably interested and probably is going to bid on, uh, NBA content. Um, WBD might bid on less content. So there might be some for it for the MB- NBC for NBC to pick up without the NBA even having to create you know new windows or whatever. Um, which would also
1: extend like if as it's been noted, if NBC were to get uh, a, even a portion of the NBA package, it wouldn't just be NBC. like a lot of those games would probably trickle down to the USA network as well. There'd probably be a peacock component in there. I'm curious as well of your thoughts on what kind of a role, if any, NBC could play as an outlet for a SmackDown or in certain cases, a simulcast of of Raw for for certain big episodes or just some component that there's there's a broadcast add on in, in these new deals that you're seeing. I mean, it's. It's almost. It used to be very rare you would see UFC on ABC, and now like the prelims, they are almost always now they're on ESPN, they're on ESPN Plus, and they throw them up on ABC.
2: Yeah, give it the widest widest reach reach possible. Um, The Super Bowl is going to be on Nickelodeon this year, I believe. That that was a a news item recently. Um, So, yeah, I I, and this is something that Nick talked about, I believe, at the Moffat Nathanson Con. A conference about the, the possibility of, of maybe at least select episodes of raw being simulcast on, on NBC, which is what we've seen with a lot of different content. I think a lot of college basketball was doing this. The all-star game was on multiple channels. Um, there's, there's other stuff that, that this has been done with too. Um, just to give it the widest reach possible, I guess. And I could see it happening I, on, on select occasions. I, I find it hard to imagine WB having a regular home on NBC broadcast. Um, I don't know about SmackDown. Um, I'd have to look at TV schedules to see like what what is what does everybody have on on Friday. But you know, SmackDown could be on any any night, I suppose.
1: We can move to any night. We have an audience that that moves without any resistance. That's been a big selling feature.
2: The point, point with, with NBC, like we know what so, the ESPN airs NBC, airs NBA not NBC the NBA with with. Uh, we know TNT is airing NBA during the season Tuesday, Thursday, right? And is ESPN doing Monday, Wednesday? So, I mean, what, what's, what's likely to happen here? Maybe, maybe TNT gives up some of their games or, or one of their entire nights or something like that. I guess that would open up Tuesday and Thursday. Um, you would still have, you know, Monday open on the, on, the, if it's all, all going to be on USA, let's say, I don't know. Um, you would still have Monday open. I would think that would be your preference is to have, you know, let your really popular. WWE raw content, you know, win on Monday, which it is right now. It's been n- number one on multiple weeks lately overall. Um, so win on on cable on Monday, and then have the NBA on, on some other nights. So um, I would have to think though, if you're if you're NBC, maybe you're open to to shifting things around. And and Nick has even said, you know, we that he's not opposed to moving raw away from Monday. Hard to imagine that after you know, since 1993 though. Yeah, so he
1: also once again uh voiced his support for the uh the writers guild and the screen actors uh, guild and happy to hear that talks are resuming this Friday. They're very happy for them. And adding that in, maybe um Nick Conn and Seth Rollins they're, they're they're rooting for the actors. Sure. Absolutely. Writers. With their words they are, yes. If I was on this call, my follow up would have been why? Why are you supporting <laughs> Seriously, like from a pure mm. economic standpoint, would it not favor WWE that these unions are at odds with the studios for months and months to come? Doesn't that absolutely up your value in the short term?
2: They're rooting for them because they want to have good relationships with people. I think it would be the most realistic answer. Um, I don't know if they really would say that, but, you know, but I think yeah, definitely the more. Here that- in WWE, we love unions. We are pro-union well, I don't know. I don't don't go that far. Um, but you know, the, the longer that this goes on and the, and the more every other form of content or scripted content is affected. I mean, that's, that's, that makes W be more valuable.
1: It was also brought up the, the fact that, uh, Despite the investigation into Vince McMahon ending last November, uh, there are still expenses that have been incurred that have bled into this year with, uh, 7.1 million paid out, uh, throughout the first six months of the year. And that Vince McMahon has agreed to review and reimburse the company for all reasonable costs incurred and thus far has paid $17.4 million towards this investigation that I would love to know what the grand total of this investigation is by the end that
2: the millions and millions that have been uh, put into this investigation. Yeah, I was slightly surprised to find out that, th- that there were still incurring costs from that. There was disclosure too in the in the 10Q about the payments that they're still making, which are, I, I guess, periodic installment payments that they're making towards the NDAs themselves. So
1: that uh, continues that. Do you want to speak at all about um, your understanding of like the, the Fanatics deal and how this impacts their consumer products division? Like this, this was one area that, that, that was down this particular year. And, uh, Curry Baker, uh, did bring this up,
2: uh, on the call as well. I I don't have a lot to say about it other than, you know, we, we know that Fanatics is basically taking care of their e-commerce business, which is something that used to be in-house for them. Um, there's less revenue now because of that. I imagine be, because WWE is now getting a license, some sort of licensing compensation from fanatics who's selling the merchandise themselves um, and and is also taking a lot of the cost, I would think.
0: This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast,
1: Let's, uh, let's move on to uh, a couple of other topics because there's quite a lot that is going on. The elite have re-signed with AEW and that includes Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks and Hangman Page. And I guess AEW, they figured, man, we're going to, we're going to own the news cycle on Wednesday with this announcement. And it went out. There was a story up on uh, SI.com from Justin Barrasso uh, with comments from Tony Khan. And we know that uh, Barry Bloom had been representing Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. I don't know if he represents Hangman Page uh, in, in these negotiations, but they presented them here as a a collective re-signing multi-year deals that they did not specify the length of. and. I would say think that most were kind of hedging their bets that these four would stay, but they were very interesting pieces, uh, given what they would mean by shaking things up and what this would have meant to AEW to lose I would say any of these performers, much less all four of them. But we did have the Boston promo a few weeks ago with Kenny Omega alluding to the fact wherever we go, we will be sticking together. And given the ages of Kenny Omega and the and eh, even the even the young bucks certainly you you wonder if this was the last uh, opportunity they would have to go for a sustained WWE run if that was something they're looking at like Kenny Omega he's 39 so you peg him into his early 40s by the time this deal is up not necessarily that he would be done by that point but i think it certainly lessens like if there was a time if he really wanted to explore a WWE run this
2: seemed to be the opportunity to do so yeah i mean it's the name of the company is all elite wrestling it was named that because of the Elite, which is a brand that they sort of made as a spinoff away from, from the Bullet Club at the time. Um, but it would be a shock to your brand if, if you lost the people whose, you know, whose brand was, you know, the company was literally built on. Um, so do, do
1: you think some of that was lost when, when Cody left in hindsight that there was, um, a somewhat. piece of the company that it, it, people associated, like here was a, he lost one of the a- EVPs. Yeah, You lost one of the EVPs. And I think at the time, it was this idea that, well, look, it's it's such a deep roster. And it's going to be, it's not like we saw the immediate effects, but we certainly did with his move to WWE. And I think now that you look back, to me, that was, it was a real sizable one. And we'll never know what it would mean if, you know, if these four left, like that certain kind of heartbeat of the company that they represent.
2: Yeah, I, I think there's tremendous defensive value in that for WWE to take Cody away, and and if it were to happen, it was apparently not going to happen now. But if they were to take any any of those, particularly the Bucks and, and and Kenny, um, maybe somewhat somewhat Page two. But when I think of the elite, I think of Kenny and the Bucks especially. Um, so but yeah, and and not just to to sign them away, to it sort of diminish the brand value of of AW, but then to actually do do well with Cody and Cody's become a really successful star for them, you know, which is, is a huge, you know, uh, benefit to them to not only have a star who's, you know, helping them generate economics, but also to show people that, you know, if, if we sign someone from AEW, if you're in AEW right now and you're thinking about, you know, going elsewhere, if you come to WWE, you know, they might make you one of the top stars in the world.
1: Yeah. I think this was, uh, it was a big signing for AEW. Like it clears up like that, that big question mark through that would be kind of hovering over them throughout the rest of the year of what the status would be of the elite. And they get them all locked up for several years. Like that's a, that that's a great resigning for them from just a,
2: a public relations standpoint uh, as well on all of that. And and whatever is going on between them and punk is apparently not enough of an issue to keep them from resigning.
1: Yeah. Which I mean, it's to me at the very least it, it opens the door that you would think that in these negotiations, like what what is our like, is this just going to be business as usual? And we're going to continue on sort of let's kind of equal footing on when is cha- the match happening? Was that in the contract? Well, that's that maybe that was on on page 140 of the uh, the AEW 10 key filing of uh, when it would be coming back. There is a rumor. I'm hoping you can confirm, Brandon. There is an event taking place on August 27th at Wembley Stadium that AEW is promoting uh, no matches that we can talk about yet but it is scheduled to be on pay-per-view per the reporting of uh, several including yourself Brandon what have you found out about where people can watch this event
2: on August 27th at least in the US and and it'll be available internationally too on ppv.com which uh, you, you may be more familiar with this. this is a digital pay-per-view carrier which is owned by in demand but anyway this is going to be on direct tv it's going to be on in demand so those are your probably the two biggest pay-per-view carriers. I think in-demand provides pay-per-view for, the, I want to say the vast majority of U.S. cable. Um, and and DirecTV is is the biggest satellite provider. I'm pretty sure they're bigger than DISH. So this is going to be on well,
1: What's the As a naive Canadian, what was the relationship of like Comcast and in-demand? Is, are those, is one servicing the other? Like I just they, don't know how, how that works.
2: I believe Comcast, Charter, and another big cable operator co-own in-demand. Okay. So if it's on in demand, it's, it's going to be on all of those carriers as well. Um, it basically, if you're on in demand, you're on pay-per-view, I think is is sort of, you know, shorthand. Um, so it's going to be on pay-per-view. Does that mean it's only going to be on pay-per-view exclusively on pay-per-view? Probably, but who knows? It it could, you know, that we can't completely rule out that it won't be, you know, somewhere else because we know, you know. W is going to be on pay-per-view on direct tv this when i when i asked Directv, uh, they did let me know that Summerslam would also be available on direct tv so still still on pay-per-view w uh, premium live events um but yeah, I, if, I, if, if they were to come out
1: and announce this is going to stream live on on max on august 27th do you think there would be a percentage of fans greater let's say than 10% that would be very nervous about or uh, about streaming this on Max when Max does not have a history of live sports that there would be at least much like that first WrestleMania on the WWE network, where they, they still did like a large amount of buys because of people's lack of confidence that man, I don't want to have streaming problems for this big show and I'm just gonna buy it on on pay-per-view.
2: Yeah. I, th- I think you would still have a lot of people ordering it uh, through pay-per-view either because they just, you know, d- don't want to go through whatever they would have to go through just to set up max. And maybe they don't have the, the streaming devices set up to, to make it happen um, or whatever, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I would be surprised if by the time Dynamite is over that we don't know that this is going to be, if it's not messaged clearly enough, that this is going to be a, a pay-per-view, an exclusive pay-per-view. Um, I, th- I think there's There's, maybe there's reports or speculation out there, right? That there's, that we expect matches to be announced uh, tonight as well. But I imagine it comes down to, you know, among other things, perhaps that Max, when they made the change to become not just HBO Max, but to become Max, that they're no longer, even though they did do live telecasts, I believe earlier this year on HBO Max, the infrastructure has changed and they're not yet ready to do a live uh, broadcast. Um, do you think it's an issue at all? for this to be so unclear uh still up to to this moment the matches or the broadcast information the broadcast itself not really i think it's
1: i I think it's ideal like you want to get this kind of stuff out there ultimately it's people are deciding on this the week of and it's just it's going to be baked into their heads that i'm going to have all the usual outlets to watch this on and provided they're on those normal outlets i don't foresee it having any grand impact on people but it is a little Obviously, there's something behind this of why this has been delayed for so long that you can't just get this out there. It, it, it's hard to believe that this was the day one plan if it was just like, why would this information be held out till just a few weeks before yeah. the pay-per-view? And,
2: and, I, and I'm sure the vast majority of purchases are made in the final hours before the show actually goes live. Um, my only concern would be that, you know, it's – I did get a lot of response for whatever it's worth for of people saying, you know – why do reporters have to figure this out? Well, and AEW hasn't made an, an announcement themselves. And it's, it's just another anecdote for some fans. I don't know if it's critical mass of fans, but some fans to say, you know, w- w- where's the communication from, from AEW with their fans? Uh, which is, is becoming a bit of a pattern when it comes to other things like that. There's it's, it's this cone of secrecy sometimes around AEW that I just can't figure out. Listen,
1: there's certain things that the company is not going to be able to uh, beat reporters to. This is one, no offense, but this is one like they should have been on. Like it shouldn't have been yourself or a Dave Meltzer being the first ones to get this information out. Like this is stuff that to me is controllable within in your own sphere. I would say in terms of impacting your fans, I'm not accounting for people that maybe have heard this announcement and might have just assumed maybe this is going to be a free special. Maybe there's some way I'm going to watch this. And now I'm hearing that this is going to be a pay-per-view on top of asking me for
2: the same amount the next week, if there's no like kind of bundled option as well. And And that's another thing. We don't know if there's going to be a bundle option. If, if if fans are going to be asked to spend a hundred dollars, that, that aspect, like if, if this is a paper, like that is a tough ask for people,
1: no matter what your lineups are on back-to-back weekends. And granted, there are certainly your, your fans that will just buy both. Um, but there are plenty, I think, that will choose between the two.
2: Like, that's a really tough turnaround, seven days between pay-per-views, no matter what you have planned for the two. Yeah. And, and just to be clear where this is available, it's going to be TV in demand, which basically, if you have cable, you probably have it. And um, PPV.com, which is for international regions, including Canada, UK, Australia, Ireland, I think, and New Zealand, basically the, the big English language countries. Um, and I have asked fight, but have not heard back yet fight usually carries it internationally and we don't know about bleacher report Andrew area has previously reported that it will be available in the u.s digitally on bleacher report Okay. Um, I wanted to, uh, quickly chat about
1: some ratings notes, uh, just from the last couple of days. Uh, going back to Saturday, collision this past weekend with FTR against Adam Cole and MJF did 739,000 viewers and a 0.27 in the 18 to 49 demographic. So viewership was up 20% from the previous week, demo up 49%. And this was going up against the UFC 291 prelims. I believe there was women's soccer as well that that was airing. You have Major League Baseball and <laughs> as Brandon has the the quarter hours for, I mean, if this was not your confirmation that Adam Cole and MJF are the hot act in the company and a big growth period for those final two quarters where the tag match took place. Um, I know this doesn't eclipse the premiere, but for me, this was the most impressive number that collision has drawn, not having the advantage of being the first show. Um, This was, I thought this was a great number considering the competition, the growth for your main event. And, um, Overall, to pull a 0.27 on Saturday night, I think it's it ups your ability of what you forecast the ceiling to be for a well promoted edition of Collision.
2: Yeah, it was definitely the most surprising, um, for it to be that high. I was shocked. Um, yeah, I think it's, I guess it speaks to, you know, you look at the quarter hours, quarter hours that main event did very well. Um, he had CM Punk appearing, that that helps. His quarter hour didn't like jump massively, but did, did fine, I think. Um, but it's do you find now with the
1: quarter, like I know you've always kind of been, you you kind of look at the quarter hours, like there's I'm
2: meticulously cuts. coding the the conditional formatting. Yes,
1: you should be. But yes. I think that as we're we're seeing, like with with MJF and Adam Cole, we saw with the Judgment Day on Monday. We certainly get that evidence from the Bloodline. Like you are seeing, like yeah. big changes with these acts that are connecting that the quarter hours correlate to. Like this is this almost feels like a. Bygone era where we saw this level of change among quarters yeah. based on who was there, because for a long time, like the the dips and increases were, you know, nothing you could. I I think you had to kind of go out of your way to try and draw conclusions over. Yeah, my my, my
2: good intuition is I completely agree with you to that, and and I don't know if if my ability to analyze them has gotten sharper a little bit in, in recent months or, or you know, but I I think that's right that you know. In so I've been reporting quarter hours pretty consistently since early 2022 and, and with AW quarter hours before that. And I feel like it was a lot of, you can't really, deter, you know, just to distinguish the signal from the noise for the most part. Um, but now there's, there's real acts that, like you said, that are emerging as, well, wow, they really moved a quarter hour. And I, you know, it's hard to deny that that, that that's because of the content. Are you seeing similar trends with, the, with, with YouTube
1: videos with, the same like acts is that also standing out to the same degree like with, yeah. with adam cole and mjf i guess we we have now a month of evidence
2: yeah i i think so the if you look at the last smackdown uh the live promo with roman reigns and ju so that opened smackdown this past friday was the most watched quarter in have growth because that's the first quarter but it was the most watched quarter of any of the eight quarters of smackdown and it was by far um at least one of those clips was by far the most viewed YouTube clip. Um, And I think they had a couple more that were number two and number three. Um, So you usually do see consistency with how the YouTube clips of the show do with how the best performing, or I judge to be the best performing uh, quarter hours are. And it's helpful to have that corroboration.
1: We also have um, an interesting story that Mark Ramundi just put out this Coming Saturday, we have the Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz fight that's going to be happening in Dallas that Logan Paul is hopeful of attending after wrestling Ricochet in Detroit and making it to Dallas that night to corner his brother, which seems very difficult to do. There's a 8 p.m. start time for the main card between Jake Paul and Nate Diaz, so that fight will probably get into the ring around 1130 midnight. I don't see how Logan Paul can possibly make it to Dallas that night, but we will see what he can pull off. But the interesting part in this article that Mark wrote is that in the lead up to Nate Diaz getting into a, a boxing fight, WWE entered the mix and they wanted to put together a fight, a real fight between Logan Paul and Nate Diaz. And once WWE on got a WWE show, they didn't state if it would be on a WWE show or if WWE would be promoting this as a separate event. I would think this is pure speculation. Yeah. I would think like this very well could have been on SummerSlam, and it would have eliminated a uh, competition for SummerSlam on Saturday. Not that the crossover is uh, gigantic, but regardless, they were looking at promoting a fight between them and WWE, it sounds like, would have been the promoter. And Nate Diaz just soured on this and uh, kind of withdrew himself when with WWE getting involved, and it didn't
2: go anywhere. I would be surprised to see TKO when that merger is completed, and we, we didn't really get any hints of a timeline. You know, other than second half of the year, we're in the second half of the year. Um, but we wouldn't be surprised to see TKO get involved in, in boxing. There was a, 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 conference talk. I think one of the last ones before Stephanie was, before Stephanie left about, you know, and Nick talking generally about sports and sort of talking about how, you know, boxing is something that they might be interested in. Um, I can't imagine a shoot fight on a, on a W show in this era. Right. This is like I have to think back to like Butterbean and, and Mike Barton, Bart Gunn. We're
1: right? not getting Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler in a, <laughs> That's in not a, be a shoot. fight this, this coming Saturday. <laughs> Here, here's the line. This is from uh, Mark Ramundi's piece that you can read on uh, ESPN.com. Uh, so Zach Rosenfeld, Rosenfield, who is the representative for Nate Diaz, said there was a very interesting and attractive offer on the table for Diaz to fight Logan Paul. But WWE got involved and Diaz soured on the idea. Logan has become a top attraction for the pro wrestling company and former WWE CEO, Stephanie McMahon said at a summit last year that the promotion was interested in getting to talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, quote, the WWE came in and then they wanted to take over the whole thing. Diaz told ESPN and I'm like, I just got out of the UFC. Why am I going to go sign with WWE? I fight for real. I'm not going to be doing a real fight on a WWE card or no funny shit like that. Logan said he heard
2: that that was one of Diaz's reasons for not being interested any longer,
1: calling it a weak cop
2: out. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a real branding problem there. I don't know if it's a great idea in this, this point to, to try to mix those things. And it's not like the Brawl for All was a success. And it's not like the Butterbean and, you know, uh, Bark Gun fight is thought well of. Um, and I think that, and it does you know, speak
1: to the confusion that I think that would create. Like it sounds like, from all indications, this would be
2: a real fight. But if you're, if it, this is a WWE promoted event, it does. And how's the it, crowd going to receive that? I mean, is it going to be along the lines of, of the musical acts that we've seen that that people not responded positively to, or or would they get into it because Logan Paul is someone they know?
1: Yeah, I really don't know how that would go down. If you were to embed it into, say, a SummerSlam event, like here we have. Seven wrestling matches and then this
2: in the middle. um, I I do think it would be a weird fit. Like, seems like there's a risk of creating ambiguity around. Well, maybe some things are a shoot here, and and if you're UFC, you definitely don't want that with the company that you're merging with. That definitely, you know, the the matches are work. Uh, You know, I think it's one of the things we talked about with with this merger is you don't. There, there definitely can be cooperation and a lot of synergy between these two companies. But there's, but in terms of on screen co promotion, I think that has to be done carefully. It does,
1: though, inform you of WWE open to this idea for Logan Paul, and I would be very curious if they have any involvement in this Saudi Arabia fight that Logan Paul is involved in in October. They obviously had to sign off on it, but do they have some kind of um, promotional attachment to this card? Like it is being presented as just a KSI Logan Paul promoted event in October, but you have a company that... Has Logan Paul under contract? They have the relationships in uh, Saudi Arabia, and but uh, to our knowledge, there's no involvement with WWE. But it's something that you wonder if, like, this is okay? This didn't work out with Nate Diaz, but we have this guy under contract, and there's right. a market for it, right?
2: They it, will it's find something thom- that you could see happening on a, on a Saudi show where a lot of you know definitely weird things happen.
1: And they're running, like, that Logan Paul show is October 14th, so that's about three weeks before WWE's return to Saudi Arabia. So those are happening in pretty close proximity to one another later this year. And the final thing, unless you want to throw in anything else, uh, Brandon, is SummerSlam on Saturday night that uh, myself and Mr. Thurston will be in attendance for. Uh, Nick Khan stating over 43,000 tickets sold, and they are on pace for a sellout. Which what was a sellout? Yes. Uh, um, under their, their scaling of the stadium, they
2: are on pace for a sellout. They are not going to be filling this stadium. I think WrestleTix has the, has the current setup at I mean, well over 50,000. So it's hard to, well, not, not, not even well over 50,000. It's as high as 57,000. It's hard to imagine them selling as many tickets as, as WrestleTix has it configured for right now. Uh, not to diminish, it's, it's going to be a huge crowd.
1: Yeah. Um, Russell takes listing, uh, 47,601 tickets distributed. I mean, it's going to be a giant crowd for, for Saturday. Um, but as Tony Khan has noted, uh, all in is no secondary event to WWE. Did you see, uh, this quote that, uh, came out today? No, I did not. So this is, uh, the, the latest, uh, in, involving the, the wars between Tony Khan and, uh, Paul Levesque. So the background here is that on the Cody Rhodes documentary, there was a clip that got circulated of, Paul Levesque, reflecting on Cody coming to WWE and how he grew up not dreaming about being the face and the champion of a secondary promotion. He wants to be the champion and the face of the WWE. So Tony Khan was asked about this by the Orlando Sentinel and stated, we certainly won't be the secondary promotion at all in. We're number one in the UK on TV and with a record gate. I have a lot of respect for Cody. I know those weren't his words to be fair, but we're not secondary in a lot of market. We, we're not secondary in a lot of markets. For the first time in a long time, WWE has been secondary in a lot of markets. I'm proud of where we're at, and we're not taking a back seat to anybody.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: That's Tony Khan's sure. response. Anyway. So there you have it. That is all the latest. Anything else that was uh, coming out of the uh, the earnings report? Anything else, uh, Brandon, that
2: we haven't touched? We have yet? some new pollstar data. We can tell Ooh. you what. The, what the gate was according to Polestar, what the gate was for money in the bank and for the SmackDown the prior night, which have been described by WWE and I believe by Paul Avec as well as the highest grossing arena event in WWE's history. I, I would add that that's not adjusting for inflation, but we, we do have $3.3 million for that's US, uh, and, and 2.6 pounds sterling is, is the, the foreign currency, $3.3 million for money in the bank and the night before what has been called the highest grossing SmackDown ever $1.8 million. Yeah. We also have the pretty much immediate sellout for survivor
1: series at the all-state arena. That's the week in Chicago that W uh, that AEW is running the, the typical uh, Thanksgiving Eve dynamite. And then WWE has the all-state arena booked Friday for SmackDown and Saturday for survivor series. And the fact that survivor series was an instant sellout,
2: mm-hmm. um, that's going to be an enormous gate that they are going to have to close up the year. Yeah, it's good, good, uh, good week to if you want to spend your your Thanksgiving in um in Chicago, just watch wrestling every single night of the week in in Chicago. Let's
1: go to a few super chats here. Um, let's go to Jake here, who asks, "Do we know who who now is running WWE Talent Relations?"
2: Um, that's technically still under the purview of uh uh Paul Levesque. Yes. I, th- I think that, you know, that, w- that would be consistent with the press release that was put out about a year ago when Vince resigned is that he is, wh- whoever is. He wasn't dropping any titles. He was just taking on yeah, additional he, duties. Whoever might be the, you know, the, the, the next person down from him, he's overseeing that person. Who would that be? Because of me? Mark Crono's gone. Mark Crono's gone, but William Regal is back. Um, he's probably very
1: much involved. They are doing tryouts this week in Detroit. So I'm, certain that you know they probably have regal involved with that and you know their regular you know scouting team uh, of such but i don't because um what's his name is also gone the um the exa- the the person they had hired from the ufc who was uh he was running like the the pi and james kimball james kimball yes he yeah. just left under um Unknown circumstances. Yes. They didn't go, uh, they did not elaborate too much on his, uh, departure from the company, but that's the talent relations picture, um, as well. We got a question here asking our thoughts on literally every wrestler under the roster. We always appreciate the super chat, but, um, yeah, we're not going through that whole list. Sorry, Richard. And, uh, but thank you. Thank you for your patronage. Thank you for the super chat. We have a very, very busy weekend coming up. Um, The biggest news though and i did bury the lead is that the last time i was on here with brandon he was he was very he was very grim on his hopes in the g1 climax pool and ladies and gentlemen as of this recording brandon has jumped up he is in second place i saw the the post-wrestling uh grouping um i am not in second place i am far from it but brandon is within striking distance you might end up winning this entire
2: pool brandon and do we get points, do, do the points end after the regular block matches? And it's, I believe it, it, it's uh, only covers from there.
1: I think it's only the round robin portion that, uh, is covered, yeah. which will be wrapping up, uh,
2: over this next week. Yes. Okay. okay. We'll, we'll, are you, we'll are you following any G1? Or Somewhat. All- I haven't, haven't watched much in the last week or two.
1: Yeah, this morning was, uh, not a viewing that I was going to uh, sneak in with everything that was going on. Nor will I probably, uh, this weekend because, uh, I'm off to Detroit as will, uh, Brandon. You're getting in yes. on Saturday. I'm
2: leaving Friday morning.
1: Oh, so Friday. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be there Friday
2: night. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, we will, uh, we will meet up with you. Do you want to go to game changer with us? I, 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 w- I wouldn't be opposed. We, okay. We could, well, we could negotiate this and have, you know, deep conversations offline, perhaps. Yeah. We could, uh, Brandon and I will be the two
1: people at the back of Harpo's and we'll be, uh, counting heads and, uh, then going to the ticket office. Uh, we're, we're really fun guys to hang out with. at rest of the <laughs> guys, As Brandon can attest to at, uh, for, yes, we'll Door. be taking notes. Yeah. Um, I'll be, I'll be quiet. I'll get in my five words throughout the five hours. All right. Uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in. It was a very busy one. Wei Ting and I are back tonight for Rewinded Dynamite. We'll be live on this channel at 10 PM Eastern time chatting about that. And then. Over at postwrestlingcafe.com, it's our doubleheader tonight as we will be jumping on to chat about Bash at the Beach 2000 on Dark Side of the Ring. And then that's a great uh, primer for next week because in this slot on Pollock and Thurston, the man that everyone demands, David Bitsenspan, the author of many great journalistic pieces and a fantastic Paul Heyman impression, he will be joining us to chat about the legal fallout. From Bash at the Beach 2000, no one better equipped than uh, David Bixenspan to break down um, people cutting promos on one another, on pay-per-views, what is a character versus a real person, and the years that this case dragged on for, the lineage of WCW that uh, stretched into 2005. So David Bixenspan will be on with us, and we'll we'll chat some of the the more noteworthy uh, stories covered on Dark Side of the Ring from the past season. So... That is going to be next week. And uh, where can people follow all the latest data, numbers, star information, quarter hours, the
2: go-to place, Brandon? You can go to WrestleNomics.com or Patreon.com slash I have uh, my report on the Vince uh, story and the, and the subpoena and all that is, is for free for everybody right now at WrestleNomics.com. And I've also written up a, a report on the W earnings that is up there for subscribers as well. Be um, getting TV ratings, TV ratings reports are out there all that stuff at uh, patreon.com slash wrestlonomics. All right. You can go check out
1: all of that. And we will be speaking with you uh, later on tonight on the post-wrestling side. And uh, Brandon and I are off to Detroit this weekend for SummerSlam coverage. And maybe we'll see a, a legit fight between Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. Who knows what will happen? That is it for us. Thank you for tuning in to Pollock and Thurston.